Good morning, everybody. I'm glad to see y'all. And I can't see y'all out there in, you know, cyber world, but, I, you know, whoever's out there, I'm glad you're there. Let's, uh, well, first of all, let's pray, okay? Lord, we... Um, we come here to worship you. We come here to meet you. We come here to uh, to receive your blessings, to be ministered to by you and to minister to you. And there are just so many aspects of this that we we just want to first just overall thank you for your love and your care. In Jesus' name, Amen. Now, okay, you will see me from time to time reach into my shirt pocket and pull out a cough drop. That is for your benefit. Uh, I also have a bottle of water. Same deal, okay? Now, I'm going to confess something. I didn't know it was my Sunday until after 9 o'clock last night. <laughs> yeah, and it's a good thing that Jen came in and says, Wow, you're preaching tomorrow. And I go, I am? And she goes, Yeah, isn't next week the third Sunday? And I thought, well, well, we did the math and found out that indeed today was the third Sunday. So, um... You know, I, I, I don't mean that as an excuse, okay? I'm not really saying that. I'm just saying that I sort of uh, uh, had to cobble something together this morning. But I really feel pretty good about it. Um, for one thing, we're going to start off with Romans chapter 8 verses 28 and 29. Now, we've talked about that recently, and that's not the text we're going to use. I'm just going to say we're going we're gonna to talk about that. How do we do that? Now, Romans 8, 28, we ought to be pretty familiar with, or, you know, that's one of those. Besides John three sixteen and Jesus wept, I'm not sure what the address of that one is. I just, it, you know, people learn it because it's short. But uh, but this is the one, you know, for all things work together. For, well, I'm just going gonna, gonna to use the New American Standard Version. Jim, if you're out there, this one's for you, okay? Now, I used to use the uh, New American Standard. I used it for years. Um, but I've been using the, the ESV for some time now, which I like a lot. But I'm doing this one, well, there are reasons. Now, so we're, this, this is something that, and if you happen to have or need a Bible, we've still got a bunch of them somewhere. But anyway, we also have it up here on the, so, uh, and we know that God causes, causes 
all things to work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. Now, that is usually where people quit memorizing. So the assumption, I mean, I don't know. I mean, they may have a perfectly clear idea, but when I hear it quoted, I don't know that. But it goes on, and it, you know, kind of explains, for those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to become conformed to the image of his son so that he might, so that he would be the firstborn among many brethren. Now, we got the promise, and then we got kind of an explanation of what that promise means. What does it mean by good? We know that all things work together for good. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to become conformed to the image of his son. So that's what good is. Good is being conformed to the image of Christ. So that he would be the firstborn among many brethren. So that, that's, the, you know, that's the promise, and that's really kind of an explanation of what that promise means. But how does that happen? Because if I have to be good, I mean, we, you know, he's saying for those, he, for those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to become conformed to the image of the Son, whatever. Now, let's look at Ephesians chapter 4. We're going to start in verse 11. And he gave some as apostles, and some as prophets, and some as evangelists, and some as pastors and teachers. Sure, we've heard that before, right? Now, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers. Now, I'm going to explain a couple of things here. I mean, this is essentially what, okay, first of all, apostle. Now, we would, I think we would call apostles now, we would call them church planters or church spreaders or something like that. But it comes from the uh, Greek word apostolos, from the Greek verb apostolo, uh, meaning to send, with the connotation of being sent with a person. So the idea here is it's someone who is sent and there suggests that there's an element of authority there because they're supposed to be sent with somebody. So it, it essentially means leaving your home church, your present church, whatever, uh, in order to establish another church. 
And the, the idea of sent means sent by God. Now, when we say sent by God, that, that means either you hear a voice from God or you're, you have someone in authority in your fellowship or whatever who says, you know, I think you need to go to so-and-so, whatever. It's not just something that you choose to do. You know, you don't just, you don't really choose to say, I'm, I think I'm going to be an apostle to, you know, hoax bluff or ball play. Lord knows they could use it, right? I'm just kidding. Do y'all even know where ball play is? Well, yeah. Actually, you know, I think the most famous thing that happens out there is it's, uh, you have the Christmas lights. Does anybody ever go out there? The, they don't. That's a shame. Ball play is now famous for nothing. <laughs> um, so anyway, I, that's a terrible thing to say. But uh, in any case, I used to say Altoona. But actually, Altoona is a nice little town. The idea here is, is that there is, this comes from authority and it and it goes with authority. So, um, and in at least in the New Testament, when you have somebody who's sent out to establish a church or a fellowship, there's authority that goes with it. it there's an anointing with the Holy Spirit, and there are works of wonder that are done. Um, that can also attend things now, but it's not like a sure sign. I wouldn't say, you know, that that's not a test of if somebody's an apostle, but the idea is that it, there, there's a power element to it. And then there were prophets. Um, now the word for, I mean, the word for prophet, I mean, the idea of a prophet is somebody who uh, reveals the Word of God. And so that can be a foreteller, and that tends to be how we use the word now, is that we talk about something prophetic, then it's like foretelling something to come. Or it could just be a, a, a foretelling um something that explains something that we don't really understand. I was talking with my wife last night, and she does that uh, Wednesday night thing that y'all were talking about, the Bible, uh, through the Bible in a year, and they, they've just wrapped it up. And uh, they had actually wrapped it up the week before, but when you get to Revelation, you've got an awful lot to chew on. So they, that's, you know, they discuss that some. And, you know, and she was going, how do, how do you even know what that means? There are so many explanations. Now, I think she and I both read the book before we even knew each other. And we were married in 1979, and she, you know, we both, you know, Christians since the early 70s. And we uh, had, I think, both read the book, The Late Great Planet Earth. And there's a lot of stuff in there that attempts to explain 
but you know, I mean, it's nobody's ever had an explanation that, that at least is commonly agreed upon as to what that book means. And, and it, it, it's clearly where it's supposed to be. I mean, if you look at how the Bible is put together, you essentially have what the whole story is going to be in Genesis. I mean, the theme and everything else is laid out. And then you've got how all that plays out. And then in the end, you have Revelation. And that's essentially how this all came about. But we don't know what that means. So this isn't somebody, this is not like a, a prophet is going to be somebody who can kind of explain that to us. And it's probably going to be explain it as it happens. But in any case, the idea of prophet does not need to be limited to just somebody who foretells the future. I mean, that's an important part of prophetic ministry, but it's, it's, it's certainly not the only part. And then we have evangelists. Um, and basically what evangelist means is an announcer of good news. And, of course, the, the Greek word for good news was gospel. So, uh, you know, we, the, these are people who are uniquely endow, uh, endowed and I think impassioned with a desire to share the gospel. I've known some people who, I mean, they're gifted at it and they just... Um, they just go after it. Now, also, let me just also say, because he has, because there are these people who are appointed to do that or who are, you know, set aside by God to do that, does not mean that we don't do any of this stuff. As we're going to see, their whole purpose is to train us to do those things. But, and then we have, it's this pastor, teacher, okay? Now, I don't know if that is supposed to. Those are supposed to be separate. In most of the translations that I see, they're sort of combined. Um, and pastor really means shepherd. I mean, literally in other languages, uh, pastor. You know, in Spanish means shepherd, or you know, a pastoral poem in English means a poem about you know, an idealized poem about a, a shepherd, you know, it, that sort of thing. Um, so that's a, a, a pastor is a shepherd and a mentor. And, and a, a shepherd leads the flock, okay? And that would be like us to, uh, you know, food and drink and... You know, I mean, just read the 23rd Psalm, you get a pretty good idea of what a shepherd does. Um, and now, it, it's been made, I mean, I've heard this for years and years and years, and I think it's a good point, is that shepherd roles not to beget sheep, okay? I mean, it sheep beget sheep. They're essentially there to do that, you know, now, if that does that cross paths with teacher? I'm a teacher. That's what I've done for a living. Uh, 
for a few decades. And there are certainly areas where pastor and teacher uh, coincide. But I don't know. Now, I think there are some things where, I mean, what a teacher does essentially is is fill the gaps and meet the potential and try to, you know, try to see where somebody is, you know, need, you know, has has some kind of gifting or calling or something. But then that's kind of what pastors do too. So I, I'm not going to make a call on that. You can call it whichever way you want. Um, okay, so back to the scriptures. I'm going to go back to verse 11. And he gave some as pastor, excuse me, some as apostles, some as prophets, some as evangelists, and some as pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints. Now, in Greek, you're going to find out I like language, okay? Hagios. You know, uh, it, it just means believers. It means it means true believers. It doesn't mean special believers. You know, it's not the same thing as like what the Catholic Church would do when they say, you know, somebody or canonize somebody and call them a saint. I mean, the idea basically is a saint is somebody who really, really believes, not a perfect person. Um, for the equipping of the saints. For, the, for works of service. So, who are really supposed to do the works of service? Sorry, what? Works of service. Uh, yeah, I told you I'm a teacher. There'd be a quiz after this is over. I'm just kidding about the quiz, but I am serious about that. Who's supposed to do the works of service? The saints, right? That's us, one hopes, right? <clears throat> to the building up of the body of Christ. So we are the ones who are appointed with the bulk of the role of building up the body of Christ. We have special helpers. But we're the ones who really are supposed to be doing the work until we all attain to the unity of the faith. I don't think we're there yet. Um, and of the knowledge of the Son of God to a mature man. Now, a word on that man word that really means human, okay? I mean, they weren't as woke back then, which I take probably is a good thing. But anyway, the idea here is, is that we, until we're all mature, to the measure of the stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ. So here is how we take on those characteristics of Christ. And that means that we have instructors 
We, we do the works of service, and we keep doing it until we arrive at a unity of the faith and maturity. As a result, we are no longer to be children tossed here and there by waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men, by craftiness and deceitful scheming. Now that's another area where we look at, you know, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. You know, there's a lot they can do there for us. We have a trusting relationship with them, and they've proven their trust or proven our trust in them. But speaking the truth in love, and I think we talked about that one not too long ago, we are to grow up. That's one reason I like this translation. <laughs> okay, what is our goal here? To speak the truth in love and grow up. Yesterday, um, someone who, you know, we known for some time and I mean young couple uh, who moved up into the Huntsville area and uh, we saw the first time I've seen her in a couple of years and uh, and her husband who was working today working yesterday and he, and he was saying uh, and I don't know how old he is he's in his 20s but he said uh there's really, he was having a hard time because he's, he said they got new employees, but they won't do anything. Um, and, you know, he's got some, there are some older employees, and they, they do fine, but he was just saying, so, you know, I mean, essentially they're not, they won't grow up. So that was what she said. And she was quoting him, so, you know, I'm just going to throw that in there. This generation now, you know, look, I will be 70 years old in a few months, right? Can I now start griping about the, you know, the younger generation? Well, I'm not, tr I'm not really wanting to do that, but I am saying, and also as somebody who's been in the classroom for over 30 years, there is a difference, and uh, I just really, you know, that, that I, I agree with this. I wish they'd sort of grow up a little bit. But anyway, to, we are to grow up in all aspects into him who is the head, even Christ from whom the whole body being fitted and held together by every by what every joint supplies according to the proper working of each individual part causes the growth of the body for the building up of itself in love so again we still have there again is that metaphor of all of the parts of the body and it's not all one part they're all separate parts with separate duties and we're all to grow up and to learn our place in that. And thus we will have a working body. Now, 
I'm going to skip a few verses. Um, two reasons. One is for time. But I'm going to skip, say, 17 to 22. And I'm not saying you should, that doesn't matter. I'm just saying that for what we're doing today, I'm going to stick with the, the positive. <laughs> because that tells you what the world does. And so, yeah, I would highly encourage you to go look and contrast that yourself. But if we go down to verse 23, and it says, And that you be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and put on the new self, which in the likeness of God has been created in righteousness and holiness of the truth. So the idea here is instead of going the way of the world, that if in, we'll, be, we'll have our, the spirit of our minds renewed, we can put on this new self, which in the likeness of God... Now, let me remind you that back there in Romans 8:29, for those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to become conformed to the image of his son. That he would be the firstborn among many brethren. This is how that happens. And this isn't just really you know, theoretical. How does this work out in a practical level? Verse 25, Therefore, laying aside falsehood, speak truth, each one of you with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. Now, this emphasis on the speaking truth to one another you know, we've talked about that before. That is not an easy thing to do. Um, you know, if nothing else, I think there is a... Some of y'all may have heard of Jordan Peterson, but I heard him say one time, one chapter in his book about 12 rules for avoiding chaos or whatever is... Um, it doesn't say tell the truth. It says don't lie. Okay? I mean, he, he, he didn't want to push it too far. But because you can, you, you can tell the truth and, and, and really, and it be a, not a good time, but whatever you do, don't lie. If you can't tell the truth, then shut up. But this is really going beyond that. This is really saying that... Speak truth, each one of you, with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. Be angry, and yet do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger. So if you are, you see something to be angry about, you need to go ahead and express it. And, be, you know, because if you let 
the sun go down on your anger, then and do not give the devil an opportunity. So anytime we harbor anger, we don't get it out, then there is an opportunity. And it doesn't mean that all anger is okay. If somebody well, I don't, I'm, not, I'm not here to preach a sermon on anger, but I will say this, that if, if it's something that we are doing where there is an offense of justice or somebody's being poorly treated or, you know, you look at the times that Jesus got angry in the, in the Gospels and you'll have a pretty good pattern of when it's okay to be angry. So, uh, but then he goes on to say, he who steals must steal no longer, but rather he must labor, performing with his own hands what is good, so that he will have something to share with one who has need. So, if you're doing sinful behaviors, then stop. And do what you ought to be doing. Let no unwholesome word proceed from your mouth. Now, I think I mentioned earlier I was a little pressed for time. So, um, at least that's my excuse for not doing any Greek word searches toward the end of this but I don't know what the word unwholesome here is supposed to mean. I mean, I can imagine, right? I mean, it could mean unhelpful. It could mean, my dad used to say something like that. He would say, no, y'all, you, you know, we'd talk to the children. I was the oldest of six children, so, you know, I always heard it. He says, no, 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 you can't watch this. It's not wholesome. So... I know what he meant, um, but let no unwholesome word proceed from your mouth. Now, that could be profanity, or that could be, you know, just snarkiness, or, you know, I, I, that's going to be my next word search, I think. Uh, but only such a word as is good for edification according to the need of the moment so that it will give grace to those who hear. Okay, I have to admit, there are things I say that don't edify and don't bring grace, okay? And I, I, I'm not trying to be funny. I'm just saying I can tell I, I fall short there. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God. So, <clears throat> where are we? Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God. Now, I'm glad that's not the passage about sinning against the Holy Spirit because that one still baffles me. And that's another one that, you know, but just don't do anything wrong concerning the Holy Spirit. Uh, by whom you are sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger, and now see it mentions anger here. Do not, I mean, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you 
along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving each other, just as God in Christ also has forgiven you. So, we start off with how these uh, ministries are supposed to work, and it's supposed to work to equip us, the saints, for works of service, and that we're supposed to be doing this. And then we have, right there at the end, we have some uh, cautions, caveats, words of wisdom, speak truth, each one of you with his neighbor, be angry, yet do not sin, whoever steals, quit, get a job. I can see why some people do paraphrases. It looks like it would be fun, but anyway. Um, let no unwholesome word proceed from your mouth. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit. In fact, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with all malice. Now, that's a lot. But then we have a lot that is being provided for us and it, it, it doesn't have to all happen instantaneously. Now, we can be saved instantaneously. We can receive the Holy Spirit instantaneously or, you know, or over years or however. Again, I'm not going to argue this stuff. But the idea here is that this is, this is the process. This is what is going on. This is why Jesus came and died, and this is what he's doing. He is putting us back into the place of fellowship with God as a family member. Okay, so we're adopted, but we're, he's talking about a family member, and not just one in name. He's wanting us to take on the characteristics of the family. And I think that would be great. I'd, I'd love to see that happen. So, let's pray. Lord, we are your children, and we want to be prepared for being members of your family, for being the younger siblings of your son, Jesus. And we want to be equipped, empowered, cleansed, healed, everything else that goes along with that. And we also want to do the work of the saints. So we ask you, Lord, to come and to, and to do that, just to do that with us. And we ask all these things in your name. Amen.